I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marin Talks Money, the podcast in which people who know the markets explain the markets. I'm Marin Somerset-Webb. Now, this week, we are bringing you a bonus episode. You're getting quite a lot of bonuses at the moment. I hope you're grateful. This is going to be on our favorite topic, housing, but not UK housing. Our bonus episodes, and this is not going to be the last one, are going to be on the matter of housing markets around the world. Are they as crazy as ours? Do people in other countries care about house prices quite as much as we do? I suspect they probably do, maybe in different ways. We're about to find out. Now, with me today is John Stepek, senior reporter and uh, my usual companion on this podcast, although today he's staying the whole way through, and that's why we call it a bonus. John, <laughs> this series was almost entirely your idea. Tell me, what are we going to do? I think that's quite generous, but um, but yeah, no, but I just thought, so everyone in the UK is obsessed with house prices, yep, and often all we do is look at our own back gardens and start thinking that we are unique in lots of weird kind of ways, and actually, you know, house prices have gone up a lot all around the world, and I just thought it'd be interesting to talk to some of our colleagues in different Bloomberg offices around the world, seeing as we're now here at Bloomberg, and it's got a massive mm. kind of reach, mm. um, and just find out what the market's like in their countries, and if there's any weird things about their mm. you know, markets, and what, how mortgages work, how property taxes work, and if there's anything we can learn. Okay, know, can I just extract one promise from you before we move forward with this series of bonus episodes? Yes. You are not going to tell me that the NHS is not unique. And stop making me do a series on health systems around the world. Not doing it. I mean, I, now you mention it. No. I'll just. Not happening. Yeah, yeah, not mean, happening. <laughs> this week, what are we going to do? the world. This, and this week, no, this week we're going to Germany. Because actually, Germany is a really interesting housing market because it's really very different to ours in lots of ways, I think. We're about to find out. Um, and very, very kindly, Benny Camel, editor at Bloomberg, and Oliver Crook a TV correspondent over in the Berlin office, have agreed to join us today for a nice chat about their experiences with the German property market. Oh, thank you, Benny. Thank you, Oliver. So, what can you tell us about the German health system? No, let's joke. Let's <laughs> joke. John, you get the first question. <laughs> right, well, uh, chaps, I say, maybe it's a good idea if you introduce yourself so that our readers actually can, can our listeners rather, can actually hear your voices and know who's who. Well, I'm uh, Oliver Crook, and I'm the sort of newbie to Berlin. I've been here for about nine or ten months, so I can, uh, after eight years in London, and before that, New York, as you can probably hear. And I'm Benedict Kamel. I'm also based in Berlin, where I have lived for scarily 22 years, longest wow. I've lived anywhere in my life. And I stepped onto the property ladder 12 years ago. Well, so, 
just if you can maybe give us a bit of background. I believe that you are, despite the accent, you're you're German yourself, um, and you kind of understand the kind of market pretty well. So, because one of the things I find interesting with German property is that it kind of sat out the two thousands boom, but it appears to have you know risen with every other kind of market in the last decade. So, what what's the kind of detail of that? Well, you're right that property. Until about 10 years ago, and I, I just said that I, I bought property about 10 years ago, and I like to joke that I bought the last affordable house in Berlin, um, because, as you say, prices have really gone through the roof since. And part of that reason might be unique to Berlin. You know, in Berlin has long been this sort of island within Germany um, and has sort of followed its own rules and historically didn't have a lot of industry, didn't have a lot of big companies, didn't have a lot of finance, you know, the, the types of jobs that attract business and attract money. So it was always relatively cheap to buy here. So when I moved here 20 years ago, certainly it was very cheap to rent. My first flat cost 500 marks, if you divide that by two, so about 250 euros a month, you know, most people wouldn't probably get their utility bill sorted. You left out the square footage on that. And it was a big place. It was 80 square meters. I moved in, loved it. My then girlfriend, now wife, moved in with me, loved it slightly less. But, you know, we we lived there for two years. But what I'm saying is it was cheap and and there wasn't a lot of competition. Um, But that has changed fundamentally, at least in the last five, six years. Berlin has caught up. It's not where Munich is. It's not where Hamburg is. It's not where Düsseldorf is. Those are still more expensive. But the days of cheap, you know, fun housing in Berlin, you sort of move from one place to the next and upgrade as you go along. Those, as Oliver will be able to tell you, are well and truly over. Hmm. But Benny, how come you bought? We're always told that Germany is a nation of renters and Berlin particularly is a renter's paradise. What made it you is, buy? yeah. So I think it's about 50% renters in Germany overall. I don't know what the number in Berlin is, but I imagine, I imagine it's, it's 80%. Similar. It's even eight? Okay, even wow. higher. Wow. Why did I buy? Um, that's sort of, you know, the, why do you do things? Well, there comes a point when you get old and boring and you think, I need to, I need, I need to buy a lawnmower, I need to buy a Volvo, I need to buy a house. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, I, I came to that point. I, I had the lawnmower and, and the Volvo, and um, and then the house came next. And um, <laughs> the lawnmower before the house. <laughs> I've got to plan ahead. Yeah. So, um, and uh, and that was as I said. It, it, I don't get a lot of things right in life, but that seemed like one of the things, at least on timing, I got right. Yeah. So we 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 saw the market. We looked ahead, and we thought it's probably never going to get much cheaper than it is now. Um, and that's why we did it. And, you know, I have to say, I haven't looked back. This was around the same time that John and I were recommending that uh, readers in the UK bought German property funds, Berlin residential property funds. That didn't work out that well, did it? We were a bit early. Bit early. And also, I think there were some complications with the, uh, the, obviously, these are big kind of institutional things that kind of own lots of rental properties. But I mean, I because I assume, Oliver, that's the situation that you're in. Are you renting? Yes, I am renting. And in and in three and in what the nine months I've been here, I've I've lived in three different places. So it's been uh, something of an odyssey. The first, admittedly, was Bloomberg kind of put me up. Then the second, I was a sublet off of somebody else, which is fairly common here. Um, and in fact, people do not want to relinquish their name on a contract. So people will sublet. People will swap apartments constantly in order to not give that give that up. And I, I moved in there and it was just sort of uh, had some serious issues. And then I finally found uh, a place. I got quite lucky to find another place because when I was looking at apartments, there were people queuing up outside. You know, it was just 
people were just moving in and just trying to get their names down and just to move apartments because there's very, very little housing in Berlin right now. Is subletting legal? So it is legal. Um, and in fact, you have, I think, from what I understand, a lot more flexibility with what you can do. You're not subject to a lot of this other um, issues that you have in terms of rental increases and things like that. And if it's furnished as well, there are a whole slew of things that you can do. And again, this is uh, not to sort of uh, rant too excessively on this, but it's what seemed to me to be the case was this: the person who was on this rent, who probably paid a, you know a fraction of what he was sending it out for, was basically subletting it to you know people who have moved here for a job or something like that. And he himself had gone off to sort of Ecuador or something. And I have to imagine he was sort of uh, trading the margin there and the kind of massive markup that he was uh, he was getting for the apartment. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So this is absolutely extraordinary. You can live in a rent-controlled apartment on a long lease that you do not give up, and you can then sublet legally that apartment out at a different price and take the spread yourself, leaving the landlord entirely out of the equation. Wow. I don't know all of the ins and outs of it legally, but that is certainly what I have. What everyone seen. does. Yeah. And, and and not only that, I mean, you can also bring, you know, suits against landlords. I think that a lot of the time you, they don't expect you to. I mean, a lot, I mean, it's not, a lot of people do sue their landlords in, in Germany. And I think that that is a fairly dangerous <laughs> dynamic to, uh, to establish. You have to think of the sort of creative uh, retributions that you can get. But if you, there's one, uh, you know, there's, there's this uh, service called Connie that has sort of represents, uh, you know, people who are, are renting properties and you can, and they have a sort of 90, I think 98% success rate of getting the rent reduced if you sue your, your, your landlord. Cause apparently people are overcharging from the index. Um, hmm. but again, you know, you open yourself up to some kind of creative, uh, issues. But if you're a subletter, presumably you can be chucked out at any time. Or if you're a subletter, do you have the same rights as an original tenant? No, you don't. Well, well, it also depends on whether or not the apartment is furnished. So a lot of people will now furnish the apartment, which means that they basically, you can do just a 12 month contract and you can't kick people out. So that's what, that's a sort of workaround that some people, that some people have found. That's really fascinating because like from, from here, like the, the perception is that Germany is kind or this renter's paradise in terms of you've got, you know, long contracts that are very hard to break, but effectively, it sounds to me a little bit like what's then happening is that the original <laughs> the original renter is then just subletting and then all you're getting is a similar kind of market to the rest of Europe where there's a lot of tenants coming and going and not necessarily having many more rights than they would it's have like in another country. It's a take on the freehold leasehold system. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really, uh, okay, that's learned something. Learn something something, yeah. Definitely. I mean, they did try at some point to regulate the market more by putting in a cap, a price cap, and say you can you can charge X on this flat and no more. Um, that happened a couple of years ago and has since disappeared. It was a Berlin project, and like many sort of Berlin experiments, it didn't really work out. Um, so we're sort of back into more sort of Wild West market now that Oliver is experiencing. Interesting. And Oliver, does it make you feel a little low status to be renting? Um, I mean... I also have a sort of guiding philosophy in life, which is sort of admin diminishing, right? And so owning property <laughs> in a place where I don't really speak uh, the language fluently, and that language is German, um, you know, that's, I think uh, there's some positives to that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, I, it, it does feel, you know, my entire career I've rented, and it does feel, you know, to a degree that you're just sort of, you know, flushing money down the, you're not buying equity every month, right? Which is, would be something that'd be quite nice to do maybe now is the moment with the higher interest rates if you can put a deposit down maybe is a moment to swoop into the, the Berlin yeah. uh, housing market 
Interesting. Now, I suppose my, my question, maybe I should, I'm better to direct it to, to Benny. In, in Germany, is there a sense that owning is better like there is in the UK? Everyone wants to own. That's the goal. Uh, everyone's taking whatever route they can to somehow or another raise that deposit, get that mortgage rate they can afford, own that house. It's the be all and end all. And we like to think, John and I, that there isn't that sense of life is only complete or life is even only beginning once you've got your foot on the property ladder. Everything else is just a run up to that great moment of being owned by a bank. I think it depends a bit who you're or rather what generation of people you're talking to. If you're talking to people like my parents, absolutely yes. You know, that was the be all end all of their life. And and not just buying, it was building. You know, my mm. parents built a house you know, from scratch, moved in and and lived in there until their last breath. And and that was sort of the model of, should we say, anywhere between the 50s and the 80s. I remember talking to my grandma about sort of her servicing her mortgage, and she would say, whenever I had a penny, um, I would go to the bank and put it down towards my mortgage. And and that was her life. You know, these people lived for their houses, and and that, I think, has changed. If you, if you talk to people today, they have other plans in life. They want to be more flexible. Um, they want to move around. They don't want to have the millstone of a mortgage around their neck. They might not even have the money to be part of that whole race to begin with. Um, and that's a whole different problem. You know, well, that's a big part of the question, isn't it? Do attitudes change because property becomes unaffordable? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the thing you know, that makes Germany maybe slightly harder to access is that you need a sizable down payment. You can't, like in some other markets, come in and say, you know, I'd love to buy this place. You have to come in anywhere between 10 is probably the 10% is probably the absolute minimum, but most people come in with 20, 30, 40% down payment on okay. uh, towards sort of the, the, the price of the property. So if you're buying a place for 500,000, you want to come in with 150, 200,000 mm. in cash. Yeah. And frankly, some people have that money. A lot of people don't. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. 
With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And what's the mortgage market like there? Because obviously here in the UK, like a, a, a 10-year fix would be about the longest anyone would ever go for. And a five-year fix is still considered fairly conservative. How, how does the mortgage market work there? Oh, it's much longer here. So nobody would do five years. 10 is the okay. absolute minimum. 15, 20, 30. This is what you're looking at. These people who buy now, somewhere in their mind, they know they're going to be broke for the rest of their lives. But they have, they have an asset um, that's sort of underlying that. Um, I mean, my mortgage, for instance, was 15 years. Yeah, And you can refinance after 10. But that is standard. Nobody does less than that. Um, and, and they try and lock in these, these long-term rates. And what sort of rates do you get at that level? Because I know what the Eurozone rate is about. Well, the German bond yield is just under 3% at the moment. So what's the kind of mortgage rates? Yeah, it's about, you know, when, when I bought, I had about 3%. And then when I refinanced, I was lucky in, in that it was, you know, rates had come down so dramatically. Anyone going into it now will be looking at more like 3 4 5% even. Maybe not 5 but you know, 3 to 4%. Yeah. And again, it all depends on how much money you bring into this. Yeah, if, if you have a lot of a, you have a big down payment, you get a better rate. If you have next to nothing, you're going you're gonna to have a, a, a less preferable rate. So a lot of that depends on what kind of financial engineering you can do. But um, the other thing is, in Germany, you have to service not just... The, you know, not just the, the the interest. You have to service the principal. You actually have to pay down the debt. You know, I know there are other markets like Scandinavia, like the Netherlands, where you're essentially just paying the interest on your mortgage and you rent from from the bank essentially, and hope that at some point your property will have uh, become you know attractive enough that you can sell it again. Here, you actually have to pay down. It can become fairly expensive. So, is there and um, when? In the UK, we really only use interest-only mortgages for the for buy-to-let, for buying a property and then renting it out. And the banks are much more open to interest-only mortgages when you do that. Is there a buy-to-let industry in Germany? There is, and there isn't. I mean, there is there is a certain um, restriction in that you, you you can buy a place, but you can't sell it within ten years unless you live in it. I mean, you can, but whatever profit you made off it, you have you, you get taxed and quite heavily. And and the idea behind that is that you don't mm. quickly flip something. Are trying to prevent overheating of a market whereby you buy something, you you hold it for a couple of years, rent it out to Oliver, and um, and then lucky Oliver, and <laughs> you fleece Oliver, and then you, you move on to the next thing, and then you know five years on, you flip it at a tidy profit and move on to the next thing. So Germany's put in some circuit breakers on that to prevent. But if that you conflict. live in it, Benny, if you live in it, if I live in it, and, and I, you flip it after three decide, years, yeah, but again. The financing costs for a for a house or any any property in Germany are fairly substantial. You have you have income tax, uh, you have um, the, the the property tax, which in Berlin is six percent on uh -huh. your every on year. Your, no, no, no. So no, it's, no. It's, it's so just, a fa so, equivalent of so a stamp duty, which which we have to correct. Yeah. So um, again, let's imagine you're you, you're buying a place for five hundred thousand, and so seven percent on top of that is uh six percent on top of that is your 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 tax. Uh, there's the real estate agent that you need to pay, which is most annoying part of it all. Yeah, which again can be <laughs> six or seven percent, and what? then the legal fees. Six which or is, seven. I know it's. I'm it's, never going to complain about estate agents in the UK. Six percent. Oh wow. 
I know, it's a lot of money. It's a thousand. It really is. And you see these guys show up on their Porsche and open the door and be like, oh, here, here you go, here's a Porsche. Why is that not competed down? Why is that not that competed down? Where's the it's market? become a little easier, but you know, this is Germany with their rules and, and it has become a little easier to share it. But you are talking about maybe conservatively 10% on top of the purchase price that you have to somehow cough up in, in, in pure financing costs. And we're in shock. You know, that, yeah. yeah. That is money that you have to make uh, before you sell again. And you know, the next time you'll have to make that money again. So, which again is maybe prevents people a little bit from sort of flipping a property quickly. Yeah. So guys, anyone who bought a year ago is now effectively down 20% sold today. Be in a lot of True, trouble getting prices have fallen around 10% over a year. How's that making everyone feel? What? Well, depends no, on no, no, Because no. no. no, I mean, because that is, yeah, because prices, I noticed that house prices are a little bit harder to kind of find in Germany, but the, the latest official stats are it's down about 20 odd percent mm. on the quarter. And that's the most in Europe, that, right? Hey, After that, it's yeah, the Netherlands it's on about chunky. six. Uh, but has that affected how people are thinking about the market? There is more property available now because, you know, while prices have come down, what has gone up are property, uh, are sort of uh, utility bills, for instance, and, you know, mm. uh, mortgage payments have gone up. So, on the one hand, you know, people live in houses, they might end up being being underwater with some of their properties. So you're seeing more of these come back onto the market. Yeah? But you have the slightly unappetizing mix now of high property prices and, and high interest rates. And that's that's a pretty toxic. And also mix. a housing shortage somehow, mm -hmm. you know. So this yeah. is the sort of odd thing. Whereas <laughs> you have everybody that's, you know, we, we get, we I think we just had uh, data out from August, the month of August where you had a record number since the data goes back of companies reporting job cancellations. Um, so developers and they basically it was a 20%, 20% of the companies had reported mm -hmm. the highest since 1991 when they started doing this. Mm -hmm. So you have this sort of strange situation where yes, you have a housing shortage, uh, but you, because of all the other kind of impacts, you don't necessarily have the incentives there to come in and fill it. And so, you know, it's not, doesn't bode particularly well for people. And there are really no, you, you mentioned this in your intro, there aren't really any real tax incentives to owning a place in Germany. You don't get any tax breaks. Um, if you renovate, you might get some breaks, but it's nothing substantial. So owning a place, at least, you know, in terms of taxes, doesn't really help you. But there, there is a capital gains tax exemption for your own home as long as you live in it for a reasonable amount of time. Uh, yeah, there might be. If there is, I'm not aware of it. <laughs> well, no, but whenever you, when you sell, you flip in the coupon, to... you're going to the maturity. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you sell the house you own, would you have to pay capital gains tax on the profits? No, because that you I've lived in it for long I, okay, years, so I, and I lived okay. in it myself. So, yeah. so then you're okay. So if if I bought a flat. Rented it out to Oliver, um, sold it on five years Poor from Oliver. Now. Oliver, I am sorry about uh, this. Twice I'm twice. sorry. It's a it's too much twist on that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then I would. Yeah. Yeah. So if my five hundred thousand property jumped to a million, I couldn't easily pocket the the five hundred. They're a culture of owning second homes, holiday homes, beach houses, forest houses. Is this a thing? I can I can comment on one aspect that I found pretty strange moving to Germany, mm -hmm. which is the uh, the phenomenon of the Kleingarten. Yes. Which I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. No. It's sort of it's this sort of little like l plot of land, like tiny, 
like that you may not even have a building on, but it's just kind of within the environment. Yeah. yeah. It's like a shack within the kind of environment of, holder. Yeah. Yeah, of Berlin <laughs> and you just go there and garden and it's just a, it's just a little space. It's, you know, it's maybe what, like, like about the size of this booth. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a couple meters, you know, in, in every direction. Um, and this is a big pastime for, for yeah, the Germans. Some of these have been around for a long time, more than a century. And the idea is particularly in, in like inner city areas like Berlin or in like the Ruhr area, like the industrial heartland for people who lived in flats in, you know, inner city locations. Um, and still wanted the benefit of you know having a little plot of land and said lawnmower. Um, you <laughs> and could, that's yeah, why you had the lawnmower before you bought a house. <laughs> it's all and, coming clear. Um, and then you could, um, and then you could own that little plot of land and you know set up your barbecue, um, put up your feet, that kind of thing. It has a, there's a certain type of person who. You're going to have to unpack that for us. <laughs> Certain type of person. Now, you know, we have allotments here of very similar systems. Yeah, that sounds... um, so let's, is, that, let's, is that as normal let, in the UK? Because yeah. I, I never really had pretty, much experience with it. It's pretty normal. I mean, not for people it's... who have gardens, yeah. but yeah. for non-people without gardens will very often sign up to an allotment. Very long waiting list for all the allotments in the UK. That's so hard I was to looking, come by now. Yeah. Yeah. But let's I talk types into of this. people. A little bit uh, just in preparation for this to discover how much of this how much of this land in Berlin is actually allotments, and I found that apparently it's two thousand nine hundred hectares within Berlin. Wow. So it's three point two five percent of Berlin, and oh, to convert all. that into real speak, that's that's eight point three Central Parks or eleven point five Hyde Parks. But, you know, properly Small used, but, yeah. But how many football pitches? That's why. How many whales? How many whales? Slowly being That's taken how over we by the hipsters. Here. Yeah. So it used to be. It used to be a place where your your you know your uncle and your granny would would be on the weekends, and you'd go out there and eat black forest gatto, that kind of thing. But um, <laughs> and now you know the Berlin hipster and, and and clubbing crowd have sort of rediscovered this. Like, hey, let's let's make this cool, you know. And um, so it's, we've come full circle, and now it's like the young crowd who are owning these places, and you know, anything they vowed that they'd never be, suddenly they've become. Yeah. So they're now small holders. Of these, do, uh, do either of, of you have gun. one? The colonies. I know you're kind of hipsters. Do you have never one? had colonies, at least not sizable ones, but th these are our colonies. He's, av he's avoiding the question. Do either of you have one of these hipster allotments? No, we are hipsters, but I, I, have, I have a small garden that's he has attached a, he has a real to my... thing. Yeah, he's beyond it. Yeah. He's <laughs> grown too, too, too big for it. The only thing, the only thing that I also, that maybe Bear is mentioning that I thought yes. was very weird about, about Germany is that um, rental apartments don't come with kitchens. Always. They come with a stove. The only requirement is you have to have a stove, a stove. in the kitchen, but nothing else. Nothing else. So to, and if there's a kitchen in there... Travel even, around with your kitchen. <laughs> even the shittiest <laughs> kitchen, they can then ask that you pay towards that kitchen as a new renter. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, I've got this IKEA kitchen. It's the same in Paris. You know, it's the same in Paris. All you, mm, I suppose, on across France, all you have to have is, uh, is, is a sink, basically. I remember when my, my sister moved to Paris and she arrived at what she thought was going to be her gorgeous apartment to find no kitchen. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a European thing. sadly, that's sadly quite standard. But it, it, it often comes furnished with terrible, you know, lacquered furniture and they want money for it. It's like, I put in this wardrobe 10 years ago. I need 1,000 euros for it. Thank you very much. Mm. You don't want it? Oh, the line is quite long. Oh, oh it's starting to not sound quite as bad. Over here, I thought I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing you could change about the, the German housing market, like one 
one legislative thing that you could yeah, do. Yeah, you can't just say make it cheaper. That's not an acceptable <laughs> answer. What, what would you do at all? I mean, I've got an idea already from talking to you, but, but, but yeah, was there anything that you would change specifically? Just one thing. I mean, for me, the sublet thing is totally crazy, right? Because it's sort of mm. irrelevant to what your political persuasion is. This, the, obviously the, the designed effect of this law is not for people who are on this lease to be able to monetize their property at the expense of other people who are trying to find housing in Berlin. So to me, that's a bit, a bit crazy. So, you know, also getting people out of it, uh, out of apartments is very, very challenging, which we understand again, the spirit of what that is. But sometimes if this is a person's second property, they will just not move out of it and they'll be paying a very, very de minimis rent for, cause they've had it for 10 years. And then the person who owns it, even if this is a second property that just like to have, can't do mm. anything about it or without extreme, extreme uh, difficulty. There isn't a lot of, get yeah, rid of rent right, controls. There isn't that much movement within a lot of these markets, and and part of it is, you know, that we have we have these parts of Berlin like Kreuzberg and Prenzlauerberg, which are sort of the, the, the cool new areas. And then what happens is a bit like what might have happened in like Soho in New York or so. On the you know the hipsters move in, the cool people move in, the people with money move in, and then we get what's called gentrification. And that's been a huge, huge thing here in Berlin over the last couple of years. That you know. The rich people, uh, the investment bankers, such as they exist, are destroying, you know, the, the, the sort of the fabric, the social and the cultural fabric of these areas. And there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's it happens to every city. But in Berlin, this has been a big debate over the last couple of years. And, and partly, to go back to your question, what would I change? Build more property. I think there's an acute lack of property in Germany generally, but Berlin is, is particularly um, struck by this. Thank you so much, both of you. I think, do you know what we learned today, John? We learned that the uh, Berlin housing market is quite a lot like the UK housing market. Mm -hmm. And we also learned that rent controls are terrible, have un unintended consequences, mostly bad. And There's I also learned my next uh, job should be a German estate agent. <laughs> Get Absolutely. the Porsche. Yeah, belt. Yeah, that, uh, that and equine dentist. Those are the two highest paying jobs <laughs> I've come across recently. Thank you very much, you too. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Merrin Talks Money. Next month, we'll tackle the US housing market with the host of Bloomberg podcast, Odd Lots. In the meantime, if you like our show, rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts positively if you can. This episode was hosted by me, Merrin Somerset Webb, alongside John Stepek. It was produced by Summer Saadi with help from Robert Bragg. Additional editing by Blake Maples. Special thanks to Oliver Crook and Benedict Camel, and of course, our weekly reminder to sign up to John's daily newsletter, Money Distilled. He recently wrote about the German housing market, so look for that edition in the archives. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.